Sunday Sermons from Trinity UMC in Lincoln, a podcast to help on the faith journey. Now on to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Slater. Well, I want to start with the story of a church building superintendent that I met once. Now, that may sound a little bit odd, but I swear the people who keep all of our, not just this church, but all church buildings, the people who keep them running uh, have a tendency to be really interesting people to talk to. And this particular one was new at the job. Now, he'd been part of the church for a while, but he'd worked at a convenience store for quite a long time. And he's kind of high strung, you know, um, a little bit, little bit, maybe even a little bit anxious perhaps. And I asked him if he ever gets mad, you know, he, I, I walked by him when he was cleaning up a mess, and I, I walked by and I asked him, do you ever get mad when you clean something up and somebody comes by and just makes another mess in that same spot? Now, I was really channeling my own self here, wasn't I, right? Because I knew that would, that, that would make me mad, but you know what he did? He laughed. He laughed lovingly, of course. He wasn't laughing at me at my question. He just laughed at how funny that whole concept and, he's, and, and uh, how, how much that concept is. And he said, are you kidding me? You should see my life. I worked at this convenience store for 10 years. Every time I mopped the floor, people came and walked through it while I was mopping. Every time I cleaned up pop off the counter, somebody was at the other end of the counter dribbling more pop on it. If it made me mad every time somebody messed up what I was cleaning, I wouldn't be here anymore. You know, I asked uh, um, uh, uh, Jimmy, is the, uh, Jimmy runs the uh, service that we uh, use to clean our building here. And every now and then when I pass him, I, you know, I might just say, being my pastoral self, I might just say, oh, sorry about the mess over there. I know you work so hard to clean it up. And he always has the same response. You know what it is? Job security. <laughs> That's a better outlook than I think I would have. I don't think I could do that kind of work, you see, work that's erased before your, your very eyes. What I think of first is snow blowing while it's still snowing. Have you ever had to do that? It's important, right? If you know that the snow forecast is going to be more than your snowblower can handle, then you need to get out there in the middle and blow the snow, but then you don't get that moment at the end where you look back and admire a job well done. Because when you turn to admire the job well done, it looks almost as snowy as when you began. (laughs) I don't think I could do that kind of work. And I'm tempted to ask if there's anything you do that feels pointless, but I'm a little afraid to, because if we passed a mic on that question, I think we'd be here all day. <laughs> okay, so we, we, uh, usually we have a sermon series going on, and, but sometimes it's kind of nice not to. You know, in a few weeks, we are going to start a major sermon series, and you're going to be hearing more on that as we go. One of my Wednesday updates, I'm going to kind of tell you the story uh, behind it, either, probably either this week or next. But whenever we don't have a series going on, I like to have the text, the the scripture text assigned rather than me pick it. Uh, And the way we do that is with a system that a lot of liturgical churches especially use called the Revised Common Lectionary. And I don't know, I I don't like using it all the time, but every now and then it's nice to be forced to write a sermon on a scripture that I wouldn't have chosen. You know, sometimes we hear, God's, uh, we hear God's word in a way that we weren't, weren't expecting and that we wouldn't have looked for otherwise. And I think, well, 
Maybe you need to hear a sermon that I wouldn't have picked for you. So here we are uh, doing that today. Uh, it means we end up with a scripture that none of us want. <laughs> But it's a good one, and I have enjoyed sitting with it for a couple weeks. Now, Brooke read it really well a minute ago, but of course, I always think it takes a couple times for it to really, uh, to really sink in. So listen again. It's Luke 12, uh, verses 13 through 21. Someone from the crowd said to him, to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus said to him, man, who appointed me as judge or referee between you and your brother? Now, can I take a little side, side note here? I love the common English translation of the Bible. It speaks so clearly and so simply and has helped me to see things in Scripture that I had never noticed before. However, I'm going to take issue with one word here. Jesus said to him, man, who appointed me as judge? No, nah, that's not how people talk. So can I read this again with one word updated in the, the Pastor Jeff translation? Someone from the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus said to him, dude, who appointed me as judge or referee between you and your brother? Okay, see, better translation. <laughs> Do any of you know what triangulation is? Psychologists tell us about that, that whenever there's an argument or tension between two people, there's a tendency to try to pull somebody else into it. And the answer is, don't ever do that. Don't ever get pulled in. So here's a brother, brothers fighting with each other about inheritance. So in other words, their father has just died. There's both grief and money that goes back to their child. I mean, there's this is a mess between these two brothers, and they're trying to pull Jesus into it, and the only response is, dude. But then Jesus responds with a parable, probably hoping they'd figure it out for themselves. He says, watch out, guard yourself against all kinds of greed. After all, one's life isn't determined by one's possessions even when someone is very wealthy. And then he tell, told them a parable. A certain rich man's land produced a bountiful crop. He said to himself, what will I do? I have no place to store my harvest. Then he thought, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. That's where I'll store all my grain and goods. I'll say to myself, you have stored up plenty of goods, enough for several years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. But God said to him, fool, tonight you will die. Now who will get all the things you have prepared for yourself? That is the way it will be for those who hoard things for themselves and aren't rich towards God. He had a windfall, but what he wanted to do with it was be lazy, right? He, he, he wanted to be lazy. Okay, we're going to go deeper in this in a minute here. But I, before we do, though, I want to draw a little bit of a distinction. And this might be one of those moments where I'm talking to myself, but, well, I know I'm talking to myself, but I have a hunch some of you might be in a similar place. And that is, I want to draw a distinction between thinking only of yourself and healthy, responsible self-care. Because that's something that I struggle with. It's hard, for a lot of people, it, I think it's hard, we, we try so hard not to be selfish 
that we neglect what we should do to take care of ourselves. Now, what Jesus is speaking against here is not self-care. Now, self-care are practices like the Sabbath, like time to rest that Jesus uh, uh, took very seriously himself. Uh, I mentioned that the scripture today is assigned, right? Uh, well, one of the other scriptures for today, so one of the scriptures that we're supposed to read along with this one is from Ecclesiastes, and it's this. What do people get for all their hard work and struggles under the sun? All their days are pain and their work is aggravation. Even at night, their hearts don't find rest. This too is pointless. There's nothing better for human beings than to eat, drink, and experience pleasure in their hard work. I also saw that this is from God's hand. You know, uh, another traditional translation is to eat, drink, and be merry. Uh, that's from the book of Ecclesiastes. And did you notice that the man in the parable said that his plan for all of that grain was to eat, drink, and I forget how it was translated, but he's quoting Ecclesiastes, right? To eat, drink, and be merry. But Ecclesiastes tells us that sometimes that's good. You see, this, this is the path of wisdom, to know the difference. Uh, and uh, uh, so, so Jesus' example is a little bit different. You see, this man isn't just enjoying the big crop that he has. He's trying to store it up and to save it. He's trying to set himself up so that he can check out and not care anymore, so that he can be lazy for the rest of his life. That's different than just eat, drink, and be merry. That's different than just normal self-care. That's being selfish. And these two brothers fighting over inheritance, they're dangerously close, well, not to laziness in their case, but they're dangerously close to letting their squabble overshadow their recently deceased father and the gift that he led for them. Their squabble over this inheritance is keeping them from seeing one another and the journey that they share and the healing that they need. Now, who knows what other family things they might have going on, but they at least need to be together to help one another through their grief. But instead, they're worried about the inheritance. They're caring about the wrong things. And what Jesus says is guard yourself. Guard yourself against ideas, against thoughts like that. You know, you know a security guard stands at a door and doesn't let anyone in, right? Guard your thoughts, guard your mind, guard your heart for when ideas come that are too focused on the wrong things to where you miss the point of what truly is real. A lot of people need to guard their hearts and start caring about better things in our world too, and of course myself included. So what should we care about? Is there a way to think about that? You know, you might say that what Jesus is really talking about is the kingdom of God. And when you read the other scriptures around it, you see that he's really talking about uh, what he calls the kingdom of God. You know, how God is bringing heaven into earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? That's what this is about. Uh, and he often talks about storing up treasures uh, not on earth where, uh, where, where rust and moth. I I'm, I'm terrible at scripture memory, but you know the one, right? <laughs> rust and moth destroy. Instead, store up treasures in heaven. That's what he's talking about. And he even mentions in this one to live richly towards God instead. Well, uh, one of my uh, favorite theologians, N.T. Wright, he puts it in a list of three things 
justice, beauty, and evangelism. Now, I need to talk about these three because you'll probably get the wrong idea about at least two out of the three if I don't. But these are, when we see these things, we know that God's kingdom is coming into the world. That's what Jesus is saying to focus on. So by justice, he means setting things right the way that they were meant to be. Now, that may be enough just to say that, but we look in the world and we see things that are not how God meant them to be, right? We see poverty. We see racial injustice. You know the list, right? You know the things that you see on the news that are clear examples of how the world is not the way it was meant to be. Well, justice is the process of setting that right. And whenever we do it, we are bringing God's kingdom into the world. And it's true, not just on the big scales, the stuff we see on the news, but in our own lives too, in our relationships, the relationship between the two brothers that, encounter, that, that talk to Jesus. You know, that is not how God intended the relationship between two brothers to be. And so, for them to set that right is an act of justice between the two of them. Now, so there's justice, there's beauty. Beauty, I think, oftentimes uh, gets downplayed to the others. But we see beauty all around us in creation, in trees, uh, in, uh, in, the, uh, in the landscapes, in the animals, in the birds, in the creatures. We see the beauty of creation in each other. And then there's also human-created beauty, uh, like music or art. All of these things bring God's uh, kingdom into the world, too. And by evangelism, this theologian I'm talking about, he means that word very uh, broadly. He doesn't just mean converting people to Christianity. He means uh, the way that we all grow in our faith, the way that we are all born, not just born again, but born again and again and again and again. Yes, it does mean inviting new people to know the God that made them, but it also means knowing it better ourselves and growing in God, knowing in our knowledge and love of God. So justice, beauty, and evangelism broadly understood. These are the things that bring God's kingdom into the world, and these are the things that last. The man in Jesus' parable, the one who had a windfall and then tried to set himself up to be lazy rather than continuing to work for his neighbor, he wasn't doing these things. You know, imagine if he had taken all that energy that he spent on tearing down his barn so he could build a bigger one to hoard his windfall of grain. You know, imagine if he had taken all of that energy and spent it on lifting up the poor and trying to set things right in his world. Justice, right? Or what if he had created something of beauty rather than, rather than using his carpentry skills to, to, to hoard? Or what if he had volunteered at the temple? <laughs> Funny way to say it, but to help others walk with God too. You know, if he had done that, then when he died unexpectedly, his work would have gone on. What he had invested in other people, or perhaps better said even than that, what he had invested in bringing heaven into earth, in God's kingdom in the world, would go on even after he died, unlike the grain that rotted away in that big barn. There are a lot of us who need to guard our hearts better against these things. So here's what I want you to do this week. Pick something in your life that is overly focused on your own needs alone. Now, not legitimate self-care. Don't neglect that. But rather, where do you put too much focus on the wrong thing? 
you know, did my story about the, uh, about the convenience store worker turned building superintendent, did that speak to you? You know, uh, if one of your chores at home is vacuuming, do you vacuum the floor and then get mad when somebody walks across your floor? You know, I had, ooh, that got chuckles that were a little more than I expected. <laughs> you know, our uh, dishwasher broke a year or two ago, and uh, I was the one who hand washed all our dishes uh, while our dishwasher was broke, and I hated it. <laughs> and every time my kids put a dirty dish that had like one cracker on it in the dirty dish area, I'm like, <laughs> it's the same thing, right? It's the same thing. So pick something. <laughs> Okay, I'm getting way too many chuckles. <laughs> Guard your hearts. <laughs> Do you care more about your car than about the people it transports? <laughs> have you saved more money than you need for retirement? And do you have a plan so that what's left over can do as much good as possible in the world? You know, once you've considered where your focus could be better, you know what to do from there. Fix it, make it right, an act of justice. Set it right and instead pick something that calls the world towards justice, beauty, and evangelism. And let it be an act of guarding your hearts as you learn and practice to care about better things. You know, that's what I learned from that church building superintendent. He didn't care about having a spick and span floor. He was not a perfectionist. <laughs> He cared more about making things nice for people, including the ones who happened to walk in while he was mopping. And as a result, he wasn't unhappy about the people who messed up his floor. They were the ones he was mopping it for, and he was happy. So guard your heart and start caring about better things. It'll make you happier too, happier than any storehouse of grain could get you. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for these scripture passages that we might not choose otherwise, but that redirect us to see what's really, truly, deeply important. Please help us to examine our lives so that we might guard our hearts in those places where we've come to care about the wrong things. And thank you that it is you who give us the strength to do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's Sunday Sermon. For more information on growth groups or how to more fully embrace the life of faith, visit us at www.trinitylincoln.org.